on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the Indo-Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo-Daily, from Crypto Queen to the FBI's Most Wanted, the bizarre story of Dr. Ruja Ignatova. Let's give a warm applause for our creator, our founder, our lovely Dr. Ruja, my sister these days. One, two, three. Applause, please. This girl is on fire. Ruja, where are you? Ruja. Dr. Ruja, the founder of the OneCoin cryptocurrency, had it all. But the higher she flew, the bigger the fall. And now the Bulgarian-German fraudster, better known as the missing crypto queen, is one of the FBI's most wanted fugitives. No at six tonight, a new name on the FBI's 10 most wanted list. They're looking for Ruja Ignatova, who federal investigators are calling the crypto queen. She's accused of founding a fake cryptocurrency called OneCoin. Federal prosecutors in Manhattan say she defrauded investors out of more than $4 billion. A reward of $100,000 is being offered for information leading to her arrest. Her story is one of success and sway. And I hope you understand the vision of this company and how powerful it is. We will be the biggest out there and we will write history and the cryptocurrency community will have to rewrite philosophy. But also one of subterfuge and secrecy. And today we learn she was actually here in Dublin just two weeks before she went on the run. There were plenty of Irish investors. There were plenty of British investors. There were people from the blind community in the UK investing. British Muslims invested. I went to Uganda to a small village. I mean, nearly everyone in the village knew about OneCoin and several of them had invested. So how did this queen of cryptocurrency fall from grace? What is she accused of? And will she ever be found? We're now talking about someone who's one of the richest criminals of all time. I'm Denise Callanan, and today I'm joined by British journalist and author of The Missing Crypto Queen, Jamie Bartlett. I believe what makes us different is our vision. We are more than just one coin. We create the world around this coin. Before you joined one coin, 
99% of you did not know what cryptocurrency is about. Now, we understand and we are shaping the future. Jamie, I've mentioned your book there and Dr. Ruja, but you also co-wrote and presented the BBC podcast series, The Missing Crypto Queen. Can you summarise just who this woman is and why the FBI are after her? Sure. She, so it's Dr. Ruja Ignatova. She's a German-Bulgarian businesswoman who basically turned up in 2014, um, aged 34, saying to the world, you've heard of Bitcoin. You've seen everyone getting rich from Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency that's going to revolutionize money. And um, you've missed the boat with that one. But the good news is that I've got a better one. It's called OneCoin. It's simpler, it's clearer, it's early. So if you invest now, the price of this will keep going up. And by sort of mid-2016, this thing had sort of captured the imagination because around a million people from 175 countries had invested something like 4 billion euros into OneCoin. And they'd log on, they'd see they had accounts where their OneCoin were held. They could see the price of OneCoin going up. They were all very excited. People were selling their homes. They were quitting their jobs, all to kind of get in on this. And then in October 2017, she disappears. And the whole thing is essentially revealed to be a sophisticated pyramid scheme. And Dr. Ruja has vanished with at least $500 million of investors' money. And she hasn't been seen in public since. Wow. Exactly how much money did Dr. Ruja make? It, as the, it's, it's actually hard to know this one for sure for a couple of reasons. So you got the amount that came into the company and it's something like 4 billion euros, but other people have speculated it's actually much higher than that. Her brother, Constantin, now in prison, he estimated she disappeared with $500 million. But she also had assets all over the world, mansions, penthouses, you know, company, all sorts. So I'm, I've always thought she disappeared. I thought her brother's estimate was about right, something like half a billion dollars she disappeared with, plus a load of assets. But here's a strange thing. It seems possible that she may have actually made a very clever deal back in 2015 to trade her company for 230,000 Bitcoin, which at the time was worth $50 million, but at the moment is worth something like four to $5 billion. And if she did that and she's still holding onto those Bitcoin, I mean, we're, talk we're now talking about someone who's one of the richest criminals of all time. So I don't know if she spent a lot of that money because to hide, to be protected, that's expensive. You need to keep paying people off. So she may have burnt through a lot of money as well. I know that's a really vague answer, isn't it? It could be, it could be almost all gone or it could be five billion euros she's sitting on. And honestly, I'm not completely sure which it is. And this pyramid scheme, Jamie, it, it sucked in so many people. How did it work exactly? Because it's been described in reports the world over that it, it's been one of the biggest scams in history. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's very, very clever, actually. It, it really was, even though it's a, a cryptocurrency on the face of it, and hence the crypto queen, really this was a, an old-fashioned pyramid scheme, an MLM scheme, multi-level marketing. So what would happen is that people would buy 
let's say 5,000 euros worth of one coin. But then they would recruit their friends and their family to also buy 5,000 euros worth of one coin. And each time they did that, they'd get a little commission. And those people would actually receive that money. You know, they could never cash out their one coin for money, but they did get the commission for making the sales. And then they'd get their friends and family not only to buy one coin from, from the company, but to recruit their friends and family. And each time that happened, a small commission would kind of make its way up the pyramid. But they were selling sort of thin air to people. Um, so it, it, re it really is like an old fashioned pyramid scheme where you're just selling to other people who are selling to other people and there's commission accruing, except the product was a cryptocurrency that was promising to revolutionize finance and go up in value. And that's the reason it spread so fast because it was spread through networks of friends and family. And people often say, how could Ruja have convinced so many people? But it was your family that was convincing you. It was your best friend who was convincing you to invest. Um, and that's why that's why it was so fast in growth, but also why I think it was quite slow for, for it to collapse because people didn't want to admit that they, they'd kind of scammed their best friends. Yeah. And from Dr. Rouge's point of view, she was quite a credible character anyway, wasn't she? She had quite a legit mm. background. Highly, highly credible. And she used that to her advantage as well. She had a master's degree from Oxford University. She had a PhD in law from a top German university. And I've checked those things out. They weren't made up certificates. <laughs> I phoned the universities, got confirmation. Because for a while I thought maybe that's all made up. Who knows? She worked at McK uh, McKinsey's, a top consulting firm for five years. Th this really mattered because at the time, no one really understood cryptocurrency. I think most people still don't. And she turns up and says, listen, all this complicated technology, don't worry about that. You're never really going to understand it all anyway. The founder of Bitcoin, the world's biggest crypto, is, is some random anonymous internet dude that no one knows. Look at me. I've got a degree from Oxford. I worked in a, in, a, in a consultancy firm. I'm credible. And because people didn't understand the tech, I think they just trusted her. They just felt like she was a credible person to run a cryptocurrency company. So in the last two years, I've been called a lot of things. And probably the best thing that the press called me was, one coin who is supposed to be the Bitcoin killer. Well, I must say I like it. And she got her own family involved as well, didn't she, Jamie? Oh, my God, she certainly did. She, I mean, well, in so many ways, her, her, um, it became like a family business, really. Her, her mother was sort of her, the unofficial PA who would be wandering around their cool startup office in Bulgaria, sort of muttering under her breath and complaining about everybody. <laughs> but her brother, who had nothing really to do with this, he was a gym fanatic. You know, he, he was a tattooed vegan teetotaler who just loved working out and posting Instagram pictures of himself. He had nothing to do with this until the summer of 2016, when she phones him up one day, her little brother, and says, listen, I've sacked my PA. I need you to come and work for me. I need someone I can trust. He does it. He's quite a loyal guy. He does it. He quits his job. 
he leaves Germany where he's living and moves to Sofia. And then when she vanishes in October 2017, he takes over as the boss of the company. And in 2019, this guy who really doesn't understand anything about crypto or multi-level marketing gets arrested in Los Angeles airport for running this company. And he's been in, he's basically been in prison ever since. He had to plead guilty to multiple counts of fraud and money laundering, agreed to work with the government and give evidence for, for them against other OneCoin conspirators. And I mean, let's I mean, his life has been completely ruined. And and she was the one that dragged him into this. And I, I somehow feel like for all the guilt she might feel towards investors, it will be that towards her brother that will hurt her the most. You'd actually almost feel sorry for him, wouldn't you? He was he seems to have been a victim of the scam as well. In a strange way, it's a hard one with him because he's, um, you know, he, he ran it knowingly for quite a long time. You know, he was involved. He kept the company going for 18 months. He could he could have walked away, but he didn't. And he's admitted all of that. But to do that, I mean, to do that to your own brother. But this to, this to me is one reason why I don't think when she disappeared in October 2017, she, she was planning to disappear for good. I just can't see how she would do that to her her own family somehow. And her victims, are they worldwide? Jamie, do you know much about them? Are they wealthy people or are they just like you and I and truly believed that they were making a good investment at the time? Her victims are different from, I suppose, your typical, um, well, not your typical pyramid scam victim. But when you think about Bernie Madoff's investments, the great Ponzi scheme of the last 30 years, or Theranos, by Elizabeth Holmes, you're often talking about quite sophisticated institutional investors, big companies that do quite a lot of due diligence and put in huge amounts of money. This was quite different. This was very ordinary people who, on average, would put in between three and five thousand euros, just enough that made them think they might change their lives because they thought that five thousand euros would turn to a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand euros. And it would be enough to make their lives materially different. And for some of those people, they were just so afraid of having missed out on the next big thing that they acted. Obviously, they ignored all the warning signs that were there. But it's people from every walk of life. Well, for me, I thought, oh, I suppose I could try a thousand euro and then see how it goes. And that's what I did. Were you quite excited? You know, were you excited? So excited. So was my friend. I remember going down to visit her after it. We we thought we would change our lives. We thought that we'd changed all of our family lives. I mean, there were plenty of Irish investors. There were plenty of British investors. There were people from the blind community in the UK investing. British Muslims invested. I went to Uganda to a small village where, where, I mean, nearly everyone in the village 400 miles away from Kampala, the capital, knew about OneCoin and several of them had invested. Wow. It is such a broad array of very ordinary people and it it makes it quite different from your typical scam. It's not one bank investing a billion. It's a million people investing a small amount of money. And Jamie, when did you start investigating her and why? Well, the funny thing is that um, the, the, the producer, the BBC producer, 
who first got in touch with me about this in 2018 and said, I've got this story. I think you'd be quite interested in it because she'd actually seen me do, I'm going to boast here, get ready for it. She'd seen me do a TED talk about buying drugs on the dark net using Bitcoin <laughs> and thought, this guy seems to know what he's talking about. <laughs> and um, she was at a dinner party, Georgia Cat, her name, and she was at a dinner party and uh a friend of a friend of hers was actually trying to recruit her kind of into the company saying, you got to get in on this amazing new cryptocurrency. One coin, I've already invested. It's amazing. I've seen the value of my coins going up and up and up. You guys should get involved. And she's like, oh, interesting. Okay. But, and he but says, is it too good know, to be, is it too good to be yeah, true? Exactly. She's thinking. And she's also thinking, yeah, and how comes the founder hasn't been seen in public for over a year? That's a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> and it all starts from that. I suppose that's a good reason. You know, always make sure you're at your dinner parties listening listening out because you never know <laughs> what strange story you're going to hear. So do you know where the money's gone? Because you've really tried to crack the paper trail, haven't you? Yes. The money is, um, oh, my goodness. You know, you know that journalistic saying, like, follow the money? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, totally. Yeah, if it were easy, <laughs> we'd have solved it. Because the money is tied up all over the world. She's got, she's got like, very sophisticated systems. So she'll own a property, but that property will be owned by a company, which will be owned by three other companies based in another country. And those companies are owned by a lawyer, but the lawyer has signed a document saying he'll hand it over to this woman. But that's a secret document. He'll hand it over to Dr. Ruja if she wants it. And you just can't. It's so difficult to crack through that. According to her um, former head of security, and this is an amazing story in itself, a former top spy from Luxembourg, director of operations for the Luxembourg spy agency, who is currently fighting extradition to the US because he's been indicted there on money laundering for this company. He said recently that there's over a billion euros in, in bank accounts around the world that still belong to her. Wow. But these are all hidden, they're secretive, they're hard to freeze. And the other thing about it is a lot of the money was, was paid out in commission. So some of the top promoters, they made a lot of money by getting those commissions. And it's very hard to work it out and know how to get that back as well. So the, the money trail is a mess. It's all over the world. And that's how global finance now works. Victims still hope to get some money back, but I'm afraid it's going to take a very long time and will be very, very complicated to do. So the FBI have named her now and she's a person of interest. Where do you think she is? Yeah, they've named her. Well, she, she was actually originally indicted in the US two weeks before she disappeared in 2017. But they've put her on the most wanted list. And I think, you know, what? I think it might even be because they've kind of run out of ideas. And now <laughs> they're like turning it over to the public. They, they, I think it's, it's important that they've, they've offered $100,000 for information, because I think it's my personal view I think they're targeting not like powerful people, corrupt governments that might be hiding her, but her chef, her bodyguard, her driver, those kinds of people for whom it would be risky to come forward. But that amount of money might make it worthwhile because I think she is moving around 
we have spent a lot of time trying to figure this out and i've had honestly dozens if not hundreds of sightings and tip-offs and we've traced it we sort of tried to put it together and without giving the whole thing away i think she's a lot closer to home than we think and i think she's moving and i think she may even be on in international waters but we also have the complication of plastic surgery jamie because there is a question over whether she has you know created some sort of permanent disguise isn't there yes so this is a strange one as well it makes perfect sense though we've been told by some very very credible sources that she had dyed her hair basically bleach blonde but also had a lot of plastic surgery to disguise her face now as it happens she was she'd undergone quite a lot of plastic surgery before she disappeared if you i've looked at so many pictures of her like month by month by month and you can see that her face is already changing two years before she vanished so this does make it harder um it's certainly if you don't know very well how she looks you might just walk past her in the street and have no idea at all um that it's her I would notice her, I'd recognise her, but the ordinary person probably wouldn't. And um, the FBI also says that on their most wanted list, but I don't know whether the FBI says that because we said that or whether they've also heard it oh. themselves. <laughs> so, but, it, you know, it, could, it really could be anywhere because here's something for your listeners. I think she may have been in Dublin a couple of weeks before she vanished as well. And no one knows why and no one can be sure. So if anyone was in Dublin in October 2017 and vaguely remembers her, please get in touch. My thanks to Jamie Bartlett, author of The Missing Crypto Queen and co-writer and presenter of the BBC podcast series of the same name. I'm Denise Callanan and today's episode was produced by Siobhan Maguire, researched by Tabitha Monaghan with sound by Gavin Hennessy, Archive clips from the BBC podcast series The Missing Crypto Queen, BBC News, CBS News, the FBI and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.